Good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us this morning here at Lighthouse Discipleship Center. My name is Dave Everett, and we're going to be continuing our teaching this morning on everything is a seed. And this is part three. We'll have one more uh, session next week. And so, uh, just so you know, all of our teachings are archived on our website at lighthousediscipleship.org, as well as our YouTube channel, Lighthouse Discipleship Center. <coughs> Excuse me. Well, with all that said, let's go ahead and jump into our message this morning. We've been talking the last two weeks about how everything operates from under the principle of the seed. Okay, everything. Both in the physical realm and in the spiritual realm. And in fact, the spiritual realm created the natural realm. And so, I'm not going to go into all that again, but the, the natural realm is a byproduct, the fruit, of what the spiritual realm God said, and we'll, we'll shine some a little bit of light on that towards the latter end of today's message. But everything potentially is a seed, again in the natural realm and also in the spiritual realm. For example, everything that we think, everything that we say, everything that we do, our actions are all seeds. Our seeds can also be our expressions, our body language. They can also be um, our attitude. In the business world, they can also be our marketing uh, campaigns and whatnot. They can also be, I, I said, showed this two weeks ago, how we pay our bills, okay, our attitude and mindset. But seeds can also be what we worry about, what we are fearful for. They can also be seeds of faith. They can also be what we are trusting in, what we're relying on. <coughs> Excuse me. What we're resting in. Seeds can also be our influence, what we are influencing others and what other people are influencing us. Seeds can not only be the things that we say and do, but the things that we hear and things that are being planted in the soil of our hearts. A seed can also be giving, and we could spend a lot of time on that, and I could actually make a whole other session and actually several lessons on that, I could actually help a whole series on that. Uh, but I, uh, in the scope of this message, that's not what I'm focusing on, even though that is true. I'm not taking away from that. It's just not where I feel the Holy Spirit leading me to focus on in this particular series. Okay, and I shined a little bit of light on it in our first two weeks about how uh, the seed of giving. Okay, everything potentially is a seed. Okay, and so the Word of God is a seed. And that's what we'll spend some more time on next week. I thought the Word of God is a seed. Okay, but... This whole idea that everything is a seed. It's true in the natural realm, but it's also true in the spiritual realm. And the natural is also the byproduct of the spiritual realm. Okay, because the spiritual realm is the is is mother force. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's what created um, the, the natural. Okay, but not only is this true in the natural realm and true in the spiritual realm, it's also true not only in the kingdom of God, but it's also true, true in the power of darkness. Okay. And so this, every, everything is a seed. Everything potentially is a seed. Everything can produce a harvest. Okay? And if you don't like your harvest, then you need to change your seed. Okay? And so uh, we can spend a lot more time with that, too. But, and we also mentioned, you know, basically from uh, Genesis 1-11, every seed comes from within... With, uh, let me say this again. Let me slow down. Every seed carries within the nature of its source. In, first, in Genesis 1-11, one of our key verses for this particular series, is that 
God said that the earth brings forth grass and herb and the yellow seed and the fruit of the tree that yields fruit according to its kind. So not only does every seed produce according to its kind, monkeys beget monkeys, ladybugs beget ladybugs, humans beget humans, male and female, there's not other, there's not another option, okay? And whose seed is in itself? Within each apple, there's more seed. Within each avocado, there's another seed. Within each watermelon, there's another seed. Every seed can produce according to its kind. And in that, in the, in the harvest, the fruit of that seed, okay, the fruit, there's more seeds to keep producing. So every seed carries within it the nature of a source. And they produce according to their own kind. What do you do with seeds? You plant them. And planting them, you water them. And you, and you nurture the atmosphere, the, the soil, the, 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 the garden, or the, or the crop where that seed is sown so you can have a harvest. And again, if you don't like your harvest, then you need to change the seed. If you want potatoes, don't plant corn. Okay? It doesn't work that way because every seed is more corn to the sky. If you plant corn, you're not going to get potatoes. You're going to get corn. Okay? If you want monkeys, don't put two dogs together. It doesn't work that way. Okay? Every seed produces according to its kind. And there's only, in the, in the human race, there's only one, one kind, two genders, male and female. I'm not going to go down that rabbit, uh, rabbit hole today, but uh, we'll, we'll say it a little bit later on in a little while. Okay? But the purpose of seeds is to get a harvest. If you don't like your harvest, you need to change your seed. Okay? And so with that in mind, you know, we also said from Mark 4, 26 and 27, <coughs> the kingdom of God is that if a man should scatter seed on the ground and should sleep by day, by night and rise by day, and the seed should sprout and grow, and he himself does not know how. The farmer is not responsible how it grows, the, the farmer is responsible for scattering the seed, planting the seed, and also watering or training that crop. Okay? But once it's put into the ground, he's not in control of how it sprouts and grows. That's God's job. And God already created everything to produce according to his kind. God already commanded that or that. Okay? And so, with that said, the kingdom of God is like a seed. And we'll kind of spend a little bit more time with this next week as we're talking about the Word of God. Okay? But uh, with that said, you know, in the parable of the sower, Jesus said that the seed is the Word of God. And we'll spend more time with this next week. And Jesus said regarding the parable of the sower, if you don't understand this parable, you don't understand any other parables. Okay? Everything in the kingdom of God works according to the principle of seed. But it's also true in the kingdom of darkness. Everything works according to the principle of seed. Okay? And so, but we're not in the, we've been translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the, the kingdom of this dear son. And so we are operating out of this seed in this kingdom, and that's what we're going to put most of our focus on. Okay? But because the kingdom of God is like a seed, because the word of God is like a seed, in, in Mark's translation, Jesus said, take heed what you hear. And Luke says, take heed how you hear. <coughs> with the seed of God's kingdom to work, the word of God to work, and we'll spend more time on this next week, we need to take heed what we hear and how we are hearing it. We 
because it's not only the things that we say, but the things also that we hear and are influenced by. We can influence others with seed, and we can have others influence us with seed. It can be good seed, it can be natural seed, it can be spiritual seed, it can be seed from the kingdom of God, it can also be seed from the kingdom of darkness. Excuse me. So we need to take heed what we hear and how we hear. A farmer, a gardener, needs to take heed of his crops. He plants a seed, but weeds come. And he needs to manage, monitor, farm, garden his fields. Okay? That's his job. He's not responsible underground, but he is responsible in what is in that ground. And if there's too many weeds, he needs to take care of that and get those weeds out of there because that, those weeds are still in the nutrients. Because now you know the enemy is about to kill, steal, destroy. And if you have other seeds in your field, based on what you're hearing and how you're hearing it, then you got some weeds that you need to take out because those things are still in the nutrients of your heart. Okay, we'll spend a little bit more time with that as we go. Okay? So we need the influence of God's Word in every area of our lives. This is how we function, this is how we move and live and we have our being. And again, we'll spend more time with that next week. And it also says from Matthew 13, 23, that he who receives seed on the good ground, and this is from the parable of the sower, but Matthew 10, make sure of this, is he who hears the Word of God and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. So we'll spend more time on that uh, again next week. What I want to spend time on this week, I want to go back, go to um, Luke 17, 6, and I'll springboard where we're going to go today. And so the Lord said, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be pulled up by the roots and be planted in the sea, and it would obey you. So I want to talk about this morning about the seed of faith. Okay. So that's what we're going to be talking about this morning. We're going to be talking about the seed of faith. There's so many different avenues I could be talking about from a natural or a spiritual realm, or also from a, I could be talking about from the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness, but we're going to talk about today. We're going to focus and we're going to zero in on talking about the seed of faith. And Jesus said in Luke 17, 6, that if you have the faith as a mustard seed, you can say to a tree, be pulled up by the roots and be planted to see, and that tree will obey you. Okay, this is just an example. It's not that we're supposed to be going around pulling up all mulberry trees. Okay, that's not the that's not the point of the point of the message. Okay, say, so, but at the same point in time, we have a seed, and this whole concept of the seed of faith is also echoed in Second Corinthians four thirteen. And two years ago, I, I did. A whole a message, a whole series on this verse. And, it's, and since we have the same spirit of faith, so we already have the seed of faith. We already have the same spirit of faith. According to what is written, I believe and therefore I spoke. We also believe and therefore we speak. <coughs> I want you to see some similarities here. We, if we have faith as a seed, we already have a seed of faith, we can say to something and it will be obeyed. And it's the same thing, we ha already have the same spirit of faith as it is written. 
We believe and therefore we stutter. We also believe and therefore we stutter. We believe. Believing is faith. Okay? But this, this believing is the seed. Hopefully you're following my different colors here. Okay? I'm, I'm being consistent what colors go to. The pinkish color means seed. Okay? And we have this, we believe, and therefore we speak. Just as seed speaking, that's the sowing. We're sowing the seed. We're saying something. We're doing something. Faithful people will quote James will say, faith without works is dead. True. But true faith is never love because true faith will speak. It will do other things too. It will act. It will ask. It will think. It will do something. It will obey. But when we have the seed of faith, we believe and therefore we spoke. Why are we speaking? Because we believe. Now we can speak doubt or we can speak faith. But if you have faith, every seed according to the sky. So if you have faith, you're going to speak faith. If you have doubt, you're going to speak doubt. You can't speak doubt because in, when you speak doubt, it doesn't come from the seed of faith. It comes from the seed of doubt. Doubt is also a seed. Everything's a seed. And everything produces after its own kind. You don't get dogs and get monkeys. It doesn't work that way. Okay? So we have the same spirit of faith. We don't have a different spirit of faith. We have the same spirit of faith and therefore we believe and therefore we speak. I can tell what you're believing based on how you speak. Why? Because the same way I know it's an apple tree because there's apples on it. I know that you are not a monkey, but you are a human. I can tell that your parents were not monkeys. Why? Because every seed according to its kind. We have, okay, I can tell what you, what seed you are of by how you speak. It's how the kingdom of God works, it's how the kingdom of darkness works, and I can tell you which kingdom you are of by how you speak. Are you following me? Okay? There's so many different rabbit holes I can go down with what I've been saying so far. But one thing I want to know is back, if we go back to Luke 17, 6 for a moment. If you have the faith as much as seed, you can say to the mulberry bush, be pulled up by the roots and be planted to seed, and it will obey you. There's three times in the gospel letters. Gospel letters mean Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John. Okay, they're all the, also called the synoptic gospels. Okay. But in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, I'm not excluding John, but that's not what I'm talking about right now, because that's not what it's contained. Within these three synoptic gospels, these letters, <coughs> was three times Jesus responded to his own disciples' requests to increase their faith. Three times his disciples inquired, requested about increasing their faith. And three times Jesus responded to that. Uh, in the scriptures, we're going to be looking at those three different responses. This is the first one, Luke 17, 6. And so the Lord said, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be pulled up by the roots and be planted in the sea, and it will obey you. 
Now, one thing I want you to notice in all three of these instances that we're going to be looking at this morning, they do not need more faith. So many times we have the perception that we need more faith. Well, first of all, we already established we already have the same spirit of faith. We have it. And on all three, all three of these instances, we will see that even a little tiny bit of faith, faith as a mustard seed, will allow you to say to a tree to be pulled by the roots and be planted in the sea and, and will obey you. In other words, even if you have a little bit of faith, we will see that you can do exploits in his name. You can start moving mountains, you can start moving trees, you can start, nothing will be impossible to you if you believe. The spirit of faith is powerful. And it can do exploits. But there's something that you need to say for it to happen. Okay? They did not need more faith. They just needed to use the faith that they already had. Okay? Again, going piggybacking on two other verses, we need to take heed of what we do, and we need to take heed of how we hear it. Because something is fertilizing, something is watering, something is giving nutrients to the seed that is in your heart. And if you only read your Bible once in a while, once 15 minutes a day, or once a week, or whatever that might be, but the rest of your day, the rest of your week, you are feeding on a bunch of other stuff, social media and, and other stuff in this world, <coughs> and just life, those seeds are dominating your heart, not the Word of God. Okay? And if, if how you are hearing it, your attitude is not receiving it because you're the ground of the soil of your heart is hard. No matter how much you fertilize and water the thing, it's not going to do any good or be effective to the capacity that it can be. Okay. So we need to understand that too. We're going to have our time using our faith if we are not taking heed what we are hearing and how we are hearing it. Are you following Sometimes, before we can even go the direction I'm going to go with this message, sometimes we have to go further back to what seed is even in your heart to begin with. How can you fertilize and water and use the seed of faith if you are not even feeding, if it's not even part of your diet? Where does faith come from? The Word of God. And if we're not spending time in the Word, with the Word, a person, not the ink, then... This faith is not in you, or you're not, you're not operating it. It's on the shelf. It's part of the soil of your heart that you are neglecting. It's not being watered. It's not being fertilized. You are actually fertilizing water all the other seeds. You're not fertilizing this one, and this is not dormant in your life. Am I making sense? That's not really the direction I'm going to go this morning. 
But I have to say stuff like that. Because sometimes we're wondering why it's not working. The reason we're not working is because we are not taking heed what we hear and how we hear. We're wondering why it's not working because we're not even watering it. We're not even digesting it. We're not, we don't even have a relationship with it. <coughs> we are watering the whole other forest of other things. Again, if you don't like your harvest, you need to change the seed. And some of you, that seed is not being, not, is not being scattered in your heart. <coughs> Excuse me. Some of you spend more time with the news and other things, Facebook and and, and, and family and different things, and I'm not against family, but some of you are spending more time with family than you are with your own God. And if you, the, the best way to you to be the best spouse, the best parent, the best grandparent, or a family or friend, that you can be to anybody, you need to spend time with God's Word. You need to spend time with God. Okay? Before God created marriage, He created a relationship with God and mankind. And at the time, there was only one man on the earth, and that was Adam. Okay? The most important relationship in your life is with God. Everything else comes second, third, fourth, and down, down, down the pipeline. Okay? And so if you're negating, neglecting your relationship with God, you're neglecting all of your relationships. Okay? And so if you're, if you're not taking heed what you hear and how you're hearing it, the problem's right there. We can't even go any further until we have solved that problem. Okay? That has to be the number one thing in your life. You can't increase your faith if you are not even feeding that faith to begin with. Not exercising that faith. Okay? So again, going back to Luke 17, 6. This is the first category. If you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say, it says something. You can speak. And we'll come back to this, to the tree. And the tree will obey you. We'll come back to that point in just a few moments. Okay? The second one I want to look at, real quick, is from Matthew 17, 20 21. Now, in this context, real quick, before I go there, Jesus is addressing his disciples because they did not have the results they were looking for in casting a demon out of a boy. The father had brought a boy who was throwing himself in the fire, and basically epilepsy, but it was demonic in nature. And disciples were uh, bewildered why it wasn't working. And so they asked Jesus, how come we couldn't kill the boy? How come we couldn't cast it out? And that's where we pick up the story, and Jesus said, and Jesus said to them, he's talking to disciples, because of your unbelief. Well, surely I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will, be, it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. However, this kind not, does not go out except by prayer and fasting. Now, there's a lot in here. There's a lot that's very similar to what we just read. And I'm going I'm I'm to paralyze that in just a moment. Okay. But, again, it wasn't a faith problem. It was an unbelief problem. And we're going to unpack that in just a moment. Okay. It's the same seed, it's the same saying, and the same, same type of response. Okay? And we're going to paralyze that in a moment. And we'll also be looking at this prayer fasting in just a moment as well. Okay? But before I go there, 
Jesus, now read, most of my messages come from New King James Version. That's where you normally. So if you don't see me put a reference up here with, with translation, I'm always using the New King James. <coughs> Excuse me. But Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief, I say to you, you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, and so forth. Now if you look at the NIV, which I also call the New Inspired Version, the NIV says, because if you have so little faith. That's totally different because of unbelief. But even if you go with a little faith, he already tells you what little faith will do. So little faith is not the problem. Because if it's little faith, he tells you what little faith can do. Okay? And we'll unpack that in just a moment. The NIV, I just have to point out real quick, also omits chapter, verse 21. The NIV omits several verses in, in Scripture, and in this particular case, it omits verse 21. I'm not here to really mock any translation, but I have a very hard time using any translation that starts cutting out Scripture. I just have a hard time with that. Okay? And so, any translation that's going to start omitting verses in the Bible, I have a hard time with that. Okay? I have a hard time with anyone who does that. That's not my scope of my message this morning, but I have to point it out because when we read it, and you're, you're reading from the NIV, you're like, Pastor Day, where's verse 21? Well, if you're reading from the New Inspired Version, it doesn't have it. And I have an issue with that. Okay? There are other instances where the NIV is actually right on and is very good. So there's no perfect translation. But in this case, I am in disagreement with the NIV. Okay? <coughs> this one, I can still impact it. But when you omit the whole verse, I have an issue with that. Okay? A major issue. So let's go back to uh, the New King James. Okay? Where we have both verses. Okay? We have... Okay, we're not missing anything. So it's good. That's impacting for a minute. So even if you go with the little faith, I can, I can work with that. But that's not what he said. If you read the Greek, he said, because of your unbelief. And I'm going to go with the Greek for this. Okay? Because the translations came from the Greek. So I'm going to go with the source. Again, I made a point a minute ago, but I'm going to say it again. It was not that they didn't have faith. We already have the same spirit of faith. We've already established that. They... And even in context, you can see they have faith. That's why they were confused. How many of you have prayed for something and you didn't see the results? That's what's going on here. They were confused. They had faith. If they didn't have faith, they wouldn't be confused. Because they knew they had faith. They knew they were trying to exercise that faith. And they were asking questions. The questions are good. If they didn't have faith, they would have just walked away. But they were bothered, and they should have been bothered. But they were bothered that it didn't work, and they were asking questions. That shows me that they have faith. They didn't know what was missing, but they knew there was something wrong with them. It's not the Word of God. Okay? Because Jesus went on and healed the boy. And that, this, is, this is the aftermath of after Jesus went ahead and took care of the situation. Now they're, now they're talking to their teacher, their master. Their mentor. What did? Where do we miss it? Because they had already seen these same disciples in Luke chapter nine, and also in Luke chapter ten, in multiple occasions. But two recorded scriptures 
They've already seen demons cast out. Under their ministry. Not, not through Jesus, but through them. So they've already witnessed this type of healing and this type of deliverance, but in this case, they weren't seeing results. And why? And they were confused. <coughs> if, you didn't have, if you don't have faith, you're not going to pray for someone to be delivered from a demon possession or some type of illness. The fact that you're praying for someone to be healed shows me you have faith. If you didn't have faith, you wouldn't even do the exercise. That makes sense. So it wasn't a faith problem. It was an unbelief problem. Okay? They expected a positive result, and they didn't get it. They were expecting it to happen. That's faith. That's faith and things hoped for. But this time, they did not see results. And I point this out because it's possible to have faith, but not see that faith produce the desired results. I say that because some of you, probably all of us, has had times where it seems like our faith didn't work, and some of you, because it didn't work, it derailed you. You became derailed. Why is it not working? You believe according to Scripture you're doing everything right, but why is it not working? And it's not a faith problem, it is an unbelief problem. Because faith will have the same results as we already read in, in other scriptures, Luke. <coughs> the same results. And they've already experienced the same results before. But in this case, they were not seeing the results. Okay? And because this little phrase right here, we're going to spend a little bit of time with it. Because this kind does not go out except by prayer fasting. What kind? He's not talking about the demon possession. He's not talking about the epilepsy. He's talking about this thing called unbelief. How do you get rid of unbelief? Okay. So why do sometimes we not see results when we already have faith? Because if we have faith, nothing's impossible for us. Why is it not possible when when we're supposed to when Nothing's supposed to be impossible. Why is it not possible in this case? Because when something is, when, when, when it's supposed to be that nothing's impossible for you, and in this case it's not possible, something's wrong. Because nothing means nothing. Nothing's excluded. But it's not pick and choosy. It's not sometimes. It's not most of the time. But nothing is impossible to, will be impossible for you. But they weren't seen to be impossible in this case. And so they're confused. Like most of you have been, including myself, at times. Why? Because of unbelief. And every, we're talking about in this series, everything is a seed. Faith is a seed, but unbelief is a seed too. And this seed is like a weed. It is a very stubborn weed. And it only goes out by prayer and fasting. <coughs> Are you following me so far? Okay. The way I look at this is, let's say you hitch a horse or a team of horses to a big heavy weight. Let's just say we have something that weighs tons. And you hitch a horse to this heavy thing to pull it. 
depending on the weight, as long as you hit the right amount of forces to the thing, it can pull that thing. If it's not too heavy, you can probably use one horse. It's not the amount of horses that I'm looking at right now. It just, if you hitch a horse with something that's heavy, a heavy wagon per se, or just a wagon, it will go in the direction that you have the horse go. But if you were to hitch another horse of the same magnitude on the other side, and so now you have two teams of horses, one, one, one horse is going this way, another horse or team of horses going this way, that weight is not going to go anywhere because that other horse or horses is counterproductive. Uh, count, uh, uh, it's not. It's, it's going to be counterproductive. Okay. And you can have tremendous force exerted, but if you have tremendous force exerted on both sides of the wagon, that wagon's not going to go anywhere. The wagon, you might even break that thing, depending on how heavy that wagon is. So, unbelief is an opposing force to faith. It's an opposite. It's a seed, and it can produce according to its kind. It does not take great faith to see miracles. You're going to see in this message and and scripture today, you only need a little bit of faith. So when the NIV gets it wrong and calls it a little faith, you only need a little faith. Faith is small as a mustard seed. Okay, so it's not the littleness that's the problem. Okay, it doesn't take great faith to see miracles. What it takes is pure faith. It's not a little faith, though. it's a pure faith without any unbelief in the mix. Okay? Without the weed of unbelief. See, I don't have the scriptures on the, on, the, on, the, on the screen, but Peter walked on water with little faith. We mock on him for sinking, but Peter did something you and I have never done. Walked on water. You only need a little he could have walked to the other side of the lake with that little bit of faith. He walked to Jesus. He had, he had a slip up. Jesus helped him back up. And he walked back to the boat. He did it twice. And you haven't even done it once and you're, you're picking on Peter. I'm picking on you. That's <laughs> okay. But it's just... And... When did Peter walk on water? Because his focus was not on the wind and the storm. His focus was on Jesus. When he got his focus on the wind and the storm, that seed of that storm began to feed his doubts and fear. And he began to sink in the middle of a second. It wasn't slow motion when he began to sink, like an elevator. When you jump in the pool, even just trying to walk in the water, how fast did you go in? I mean, was it just a, ooh, you know, and it wasn't like a slow motion thing. Okay, anyway. But he took his eyes off Jesus, and he began to sink. Afterwards, Jesus did rebuke him, not to crush him, but to teach him. 
as a good mentor, as a good coach, as a good master, as a good teacher, owe you a proof of faith. But little faith, Peter had little faith, because Jesus said he had little faith. But little faith enabled Jesus to walk on water. All you need is a little faith, and you can walk on water too, like Jesus, like Peter did. You only need a little faith. Okay? But when he considered the negatives around him, his little faith didn't work. His little faith was still in action, in a sense. But his big doubts, as he got focused on the negative, he began to sink. Which one was dominant? Well, little faith was dominant for a while. Then the doubts came in, and it could have even been little doubts. But it negated the faith that he had. But then he got his eyes back on Jesus, reached out for help, and he walked with little faith back to the boat. That's awesome. Okay. In Numbers 13, Again, I don't have it on the screen. But we had 12 spies that you know, went out and spied out the land under Moses' command. Ten came back with the evil report. Two came out with a different report. And it says that they had a different spirit. I believe it's the spirit of faith. But the ten spies, their faith was negated by unbelief. When they saw the giants and they saw in their own eyes that they were like grasshoppers. Okay. I don't, I'm not going to go a lot of detail with this, but there's three types of unbelief. I don't have those notes on the screen, but the three types of unbelief is, first of all, ignorance. The second of all is doctrinal, or raw doctrine. And the third is natural. Ignorance, you just don't know it. You know, you've just never been taught it. No one's ever taught you this before. That's ignorance. Doctrinal? Well, that's not what my pastor taught. <coughs> I was taught this. That's doctrinal. Natural is, I understand what you're saying, Pastor Dave, but you don't know what's going on in my country. You don't know what's going on in my family. You don't understand my situation. You don't understand how big of a storm I'm going through. That's natural, I believe. Okay. Ignorance and doctrinal unbelief can be countered with a revelation of the truth. But if you have natural unbelief, the only way that you're going to overcome it is by prayer and fasting. This kind of unbelief only comes out by prayer and fasting. Where does faith come from? Faith comes from the Word of God. Who's the Word of God? Jesus. You have to have a relationship with the Word of God to get faith. And you have to have a relationship through prayer and fasting with God to increase your faith and to start your unbelief. Prayer and fasting. See, prayer and fasting doesn't move God. Prayer and fasting moves you. It moves you back into faith in God. It starts your unbelief. 
Okay? Remember, we need to take heed what you hear and how you hear it. If you're walking in natural unbelief, what you are hearing are the winds and the storms. What you are hearing is what's going on in the natural. What you're going is you are magnifying the situation versus the Word of God. You are magnifying your unbelief with the Word of God. And how you're hearing. Okay? You're hearing it. You're, you have faith. You're hearing it. But you're also hearing unbelief too. And it's engaging that faith. So how do we overcome it? We have to... Before we go there... <coughs> it comes out by prayer and fast. We need to shut everything out. We need to shut out all the voices. We need to shut out all, everything out. And we need to get alone with God and His Word and the Holy Spirit who is our ultimate teacher and get a revelation from God. How long do we need to fast? How long, however long it takes for your flesh to be subjective and you believe God and God alone. And then make it sense. For some of you, that might be 24 hours or less. Some of you, might, that might be a week or more. However long it takes. However long it takes for you to believe God and have pure faith without doubt and unbelief. Now, we're planting some grass. We've been planting some grass in our front yard for a while. And we're, we're, I mean, the other grass, we almost care less, and there's some weeds there, and we are, we are giving some attention to that, too. But the new grass, it, it's, in one sense, it's like fat, prayer and fasting. It's, we are only letting the, we are protecting that thing. No one's walking on it. No one's mowing it. We're making sure we get some of the big weeds out right away. And we are just kind of begging that thing. Okay? I know this might be a bad analogy, but it's just, we are just totally shutting everything else out so that it has time to grow and mature. Okay? So its roots can get strong. And it doesn't need to be so codependent on us being it all the time. Okay? It's getting a little bit more, it's getting more water than some dirty grass. In one sense, based on how our sprinkler system works. But my point is, you know, if doubt is a problem or unbelief, how do you fix that? <coughs> well, it depends on what kind of unbelief you have. Well, you're just not ignorant. You don't know it works. Now you know it works. If you don't know something, you can't do it. But now that you know, you just walk in it. You were taught wrong. Well, as long as you're willing to be retaught. And you can overcome that doctrine by revelation of truth. Then you just forgo what you learn and you begin to walk the way we do. But if it's natural, <coughs> sometimes we have to convince our five senses that that's, there's a sixth sense called faith. And we need that sixth sense to kick in. Okay, um, but that's where I want to go with now. See, natural unbelief is not rebellion. 
Natural unbelief is influence. Remember I said influencing. Something that's influenced is a seed. You can influence others and other things can influence you. Take heed again what you hear, what's influencing you, and how you're hearing it. Okay? Your natural, natural unbelief is being influenced by your five senses. What are your five senses? What you see, hear, smell, taste, and feel. They're being influenced by one or all five or multiple of those. Okay? It's not simple. It's not evil in and of itself. God created your five senses. And there's a reason why God created you with five senses. But your five senses only have a natural input. They can only see and sense the natural realm. Your five senses cannot sense the spiritual realm. They only have a connection with the natural. And if that's the only thing that's getting into your heart is what you can see in the natural, I mean naturally minded, the Bible says, is, is death. Romans 8, 6. The natural in one sense is good because God created us. You said, Rebecca, God created us with five senses. And he said that was good. For the most part, our natural man is not bent on dis disbelieving God. It's not rebellious. It's just, I don't care what God says. I'm going to believe. Well, it can, it can escalate to that. Some of you, your heart can get hard enough. You, you don't care what the pastor, you don't say what the care what the word of God says. You're going down the road of being a replicate that way. That attitude. Okay. I'm not saying you're there yet, but at any point in time, they can lead to that over time. Your heart can be hardened over time. It can go that direction, but that's usually not... Where most people who are, if the fact that you're wrestling, why is this not working? Tells you you're not, you're not just being rebellious. You just don't know why it's not working. You're like the disciples. Hey, it worked all these other times. How come it didn't work this time? It was an honest question. The disciples didn't say, didn't say, well, we, we've seen all kinds of people raised from the dead and healed and delivered and cast out. We're just going to rebel in this case. They were not rebelling. They were trying to help the boy. They were trying to help the father. But they were confused why it wasn't working. They, they were not being rebellious. Okay? So it doesn't... Excuse <coughs> me. Don't condemn yourself with this. Now, if you have a different attitude of how you are hearing, is that you just don't care what God says. You don't care what people have seen. I don't believe in healing. I don't believe in deliverance. Well, now we got a bigger problem. That's a different problem, and that's not what I'm talking about right now. See, natural unbelief can't perceive that there's a spiritual realm. They cannot. Um, sorry, look at my notes. In other words, what I'm trying to get at: their natural senses need to be trained to walk by faith. And not by sight. Walking by sight is their natural. But there's a sixth sense. It's called faith. And our natural senses need to be trained. It says in Hebrews 5.14, But solid food belongs to those who are full of age, that is, those who, by reason of use, have their senses exercised 
to discern both good and evil. We all, at some point in our walk with God, if we're going to walk by faith, need to have our senses exercised. And that could be a growing pain. But it's a necessary growing pain. So that we can take solid food and we can have solid visuals. Okay? Prayer and fasting can train us that there's another sense of our faith that's called the sixth sense. We may sense things with our natural five senses, what we see, what we hear, what we taste, what we feel, that are contrary to the Word of God. Faith can help, can help us stay the course without getting into unbelief. I'm trying to teach us to slow it down. Okay. Faith can help us stay the course. Endurance, patience can help us endure the course without entering into unbelief. And this staying the course by faith does not happen naturally. Okay? There's some exercise. And I have never experienced any exercise that's always been pleasant to the flesh. There's some endurance involved. There's some we're not going to stop doing push-ups because that's what we're going to do. Push-ups. We're going to stop jogging or running or lifting weights or whatever the exercise is until we say you are disciplining your flesh. Exercise, fasting and praying is a exercise. Okay. Prayer and fasting makes you focus on God by shutting everything else. It's a form of exercise. And one of those senses that you are exercising is your taste buds. The monumental things. That is a sense that you are, uh, and that's not the only sense that's involved there. But, okay. See, when you are exercising, and when you are fasting, your natural senses are very uncomfortable with that. Why? Because your natural senses are being ignored. This is tiring. This is painful. I'm hungry. Okay? Because your natural senses want to be the boss. They want to control. And when you go through the exercise of any exercise, including fasting and praying, you are, you are telling your senses that they're not the boss. I am. God is. But if we persist, if we persist with this exercise of fasting and praying, we will keep our focus on God and not the problem. What are you talking about? Are you understand what I'm saying? Whatever the problem is, and the, the problem within the problem is doubt. But the, the original problem that we were dealing with could have been some type of uh, healing that we need to receive or excuse me, financial miracle, our breakthrough, whatever the breakthrough is, whatever the situation, whatever the mountain or mulberry bush is that needs to be moved, that might have been the original problem. <coughs> but to, to deal with that problem, we have to deal with the problem of unbelief and doubt. And so until we deal with that problem, we don't have our faith 
is negated, negated to deal with the original problem. Are you following me? So we need to deal with this problem so we can deal with all problems. And prayer fasting, if prayer fasting helps us focus on God, so we He is the only one we are listening to, He's the only one that we are perceiving, and we're not letting our five senses dictate what we feel, what, what is true. We're not letting the five sen our senses tell us what's true. We're letting the word of God and God alone and our faith in God and from God and from his word to tell us what's true. We're going to let God be true and every man a liar by, by going through this process of this exercise of fasting and praying. And if we persist, we will keep and maintain our focus on God where the only one we're going to hear is God and his word. Okay? It's an exercise. It's a powerful exercise. But natural unbelief can only be overcome by prayer and fasting. And if you're struggling with unbelief, even though you do believe, then you need to fast and pray, not to move God, but to move you. God's not stuck. You are. God can move mountains. You can't. Are you not? If you want to start moving some mountains in your life, then you need to go through this exercise. How long do I need to do it? However long it takes. How often do I need to do it? Well, you might need to do it once, and you might struggle again, you need to go do it again. Jesus didn't say, if you fast, when you fast. We all are going to need seasons of time where we need to fast and pray. Because we all have flesh that needs to be conquered. Okay. How do we know we get the physical proof that it's working is that our sixth sense is starting to work. Our faith is seeing the reality of God. Okay. And we're starting to connect with the spiritual realm, not just the natural realm through our five senses. Are you following me? And some of you... There's natural unbelief, but there's still a little bit of ignorance here, or a doctrinal unbelief here mixed in there, because you never been taught this before. You didn't even know about this before. Miracles will happen. Breakthroughs will come. People will be touched and transformed. But some of us need to go through the exercise of fasting and praying so that our faith can get there. It's not that we don't have faith, we just need to have pure faith. Without any doubt mixed into the mix. That makes sense. You don't have a faith problem. You have a doubt problem. And how, how do you start that doubt? Is that you feed your faith by being focused totally on God and nothing else. Okay? And this process, this exercise, is a process. Will eventually convince your own mind there is more going on than can be perceived through my five senses. And when you go through this exercise, and when you when you go through this, this prayer of fasting, you will finally get to the point where when you pray, and you don't get immediate results in the physical and the natural, your mind will be accustomed to accepting faith as a valid sense of reality. And when we, when our, when our minds are become accustomed to accepting faith as a valid sense of reality, 
we will believe things. We will, in other words, we'll believe something is so, even if we can't see it, hear it, smell it, taste it, or feel it. There's an exercise process that we have to go through to get our our natural senses to be accustomed to walking by faith and not by sight. And if you do this long enough, if you do this persistent enough, you can actually train your minds to be dependent on faith and not your five senses. Am I making sense? And some of you don't fully know what I'm talking about because you have never walked in that before. But I'm telling you, The only one who's stopping you from walking in that is you. See, little time in, those who spend little time in prayer and fasting, little time in a relationship with God, are basically spending little time in watering the seed of faith. And when you spend a little time with God in prayer and fasting, your natural mind will reject the faith report when it comes. You'll reject the report of Caleb and Joshua, the faith report. You'll reject it. Your natural mind will. Why does your natural mind reject it? Because your natural mind has not been exercised to discern both this is not to put you down. This is to coach you. This is to train you. This is to equip you. Okay? I need to listen to this too. I need to walk in this exercise too. And exercise, any exercise, is not just a one-time event. Okay? And it's not immediate the first time you do it. I'm out of shape physically. And it's going to get a painful exercise for me to get into shape. And if I want to stay in shape, I have to continue to exercise. Otherwise, the fat and the late and the slowness comes back. Okay? You, if you don't use it, you lose it. Okay? Exercise is also progressive. Our faith can become very strong. If we will be very persistent in our relationship with God. Taking our relationship with God and His Word to a whole new level we have never been before. And we're going to start seeing results. We, you know, I started a message a little while ago. If we want the same results that Catherine Coleman and Wigglesworth and Andrew Womack and other people have done, we need to do the exercise they have done. Because this exercise, they have done it. And they're seeing results. And we're wondering why we're not seeing results because we're not doing the same exercise they did. You see, any Olympian out there, they went through a lot of exercise and beating down the flesh to get to that point where they were even in the Olympian games, let alone win a medal. Training takes effort. It takes time. 
if you don't see, it's called seat. We're talking about everything as a seat. And right now we're looking at a lot of the thing called time. We, the seed and the and the result harvest are one thing, but there's one thing that's right in the middle. It's called time. But it takes effort to sow, to plow to plow plant seed. It takes effort to harvest all that seed. We have farms nearby here in Camarillo, and we see the work that they do from a distance to even prepare their fields to plant their seed and harvest it. <coughs> it doesn't just come off the plant and pop in the truck. Okay? They have to work their seed, their fields. Okay. Some, but some of you, you, you have a knowledge of the Word of God to a point. But you have also surrounded yourself with so, such a negative, natural diet. And you're wondering why your faith is not producing results that it can. Because everything is a seed. The Word of God is a seed, but so is all that negative information. So is all that natural information that you take in every day. That's all seed too. And there's so many nutrients in your heart. Unbelief, in this case, was an issue. And Matthew, we do it. Unbelief was the issue. We have a, we have the same spirit of faith, and we can say to this mountain, "Be moved from here to there, and it will move." Nothing is impossible to those who believe. They have faith. In both of these scriptures, we're going to look at a third one here in just a moment. They have faith. Okay. When Jesus was going to hear Jairus' daughter, he said, but when Jesus heard it, he answered him, Jairus, and said, do not be afraid, only believe. That's pure faith. And she will be made well. See, faith and fear cannot coexist. Faith and doubt cannot coexist. It, it has to be pure. James says, if anyone who lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives it to all liberally without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no, with no doubting. No doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For, for let that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man in all of his ways. If you have doubt, you won't receive. Proverbs says it this way. Uh, no, excuse me. Romans twelve three says, "For I and this is from the King James, <coughs> I say that through the grace given to me to every man that is among you, is not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according to as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith." I like the King James because it has the word "the" there, and that is consistent with the Greek Bible, the Greek New Testament. It's a definite article. God has dealt to every man the same measure of faith. We all have a measure. If you're in Christ, if you receive Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have the measure of faith. We all have the same measure. It's not a measure, it's the measure of faith. We all have the same faith. Okay? But we all, all exercise this faith differently. A baby has the same muscles as I do. 
But a newborn baby has not learned to crawl, has not learned to walk, has not learned to talk, has not learned to stand, has not learned to run, has not learned to hold a pencil or a pen, has not learned to do a lot of things yet. They need to be, they will have to be exercised to get to that point. Okay. But I want to go back to something here. Because of, of your unbelief, well, surely I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain. And I make sure that's skip a reference right now. Okay, it's coming up. Okay. Anyway, well, uh, I thought we were going to get ahead to where we're going to stay. So let's move forward real quick. Let's go to Matthew 21 21. So Jesus answered and said to them, And surely I say to you, if you so if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what I, was done to this fig tree. So Jesus here is saying, this is not the, remember I said there was going to be three areas? This is not the third one. This is actually kind of a fourth one. Because Jesus is saying how he did it. This is not a mulberry bush. This is a fig tree. And the, Jesus cursed the fig tree, so it was a little different. But the, the same language here. If you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only be able to do what was done to this fig tree, which Jesus cursed it because it didn't have figs, but also if you say to this mountain be removed and be cast in the sea, it will be done. Same language here. Different chapter, it's actually a chapter later, but the same language is there. Jesus repeatedly was talking about how faith works. And we can't have doubts. But we have faith and no doubt. We can do what Jesus did, and we can begin to say what Jesus said, and it will be done. Okay? We must have faith, not doubt. We all have faith, and most of us have an abundance of doubt. Okay? We have a lot of doubts in our fields. And those, that doubt is negating the faith that we have. We need to purify, purify our faith, and we need to do what he said to Jairus, and we need to go back here. We need to only believe and not doubt. And we'll see results. We will see the victory. So remember I said there's three areas where three times where Jesus said this. Let's go to Mark uh, eleven twenty-two. Let me catch back up with myself. And so Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God. That's good, that's a good place to start. For surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things that he says will be done. He will have whatever he says. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask, when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you will have them. There's a lot again being said here, but it's also almost repetitive to everything we've heard so far. <coughs> First of all, he says, have faith in God. What faith? Well, the faith God has already given us. We already have the faith. We have it. Have faith in God. Use that faith to have faith in God. We're not having faith in our actions. We're not having faith in our abilities. We're not even having faith in our faith that we have. Jesus, in this context, was explaining how his faith worked on the big tree. I know we're in Mark uh, right now, but... He's actually responding to how he had faith to curse the fig tree. If we use our faith the same way that he used his faith towards the fig tree, we will get the same results. 
And one thing I want to point, begin to point out here, I've given you three examples, one in Luke, one in Mark, and one in Matthew. Three times Jesus said the same thing. But in all three times, I know we didn't talk about how faith works. He all three times, including the one that he gives an example on with him doing the fig tree that we want to use four times, in all three or four of these times, Jesus talks about speaking. We have the same spirit of faith, and therefore we spoke. Remember that? Speaking is a very vital part of faith. Yes, we need to not have doubt, but there's another thing. It's like, it's like having a car without the key. You need to turn the thing on. Do you know how many times Sherry and I have gotten a device in the years, and we don't wonder why it's not working, and then we feel like it's not even turned on? Okay? We can't just think faith. That's a good place to start. Because some of us are not even thinking faith. Faith needs to be spoken. Proverbs 18.20 says this. A man's stomach shall be satisfied from the fruit of his mouth. From the produce of his lips. He shall be filled. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruits. There's a lot here. But we need to speak. We need to open our mouth and we need to say something. There's something about the power of the tongue. Again, we have the same spirit of faith. And we also believe and therefore we speak. I can tell what spirit of faith or spirit of doubt you have by what you're saying. And some of you have pure faith and you're not opening your mouth. We need to start activating. It's voice activated. Okay? I want to spend just a little bit of time as I'm closing, as I'm closing up here. Okay. Um, okay. I want to go back to some of these. In Mark 11:23 says, "For surely I say to you, whoever says to the mountain, we're speaking, but who are we speaking to? In this case, we're speaking to the mountain. It's the same thing in Matthew 17." We are speaking to the mountain. Or we're speaking to the fig tree. I'm, I'm trying to go back here. Or we're speaking to the mulberry tree. Some of you, and I want to address this really strong. Some of you are getting a, a semi-revelation of what I'm saying, or have had it already, but you're speaking to God about your problem. You need to begin to speak to your problem. The mountain, the tree, are just symbolic. Some of you need to begin speaking to the mountain to be removed. If you speak to the mountain, you will have whatever you say. If you speak to the, the tree, it will obey you. It will move. I, I, you know, in some ways I have to develop this more because you have authority in Christ. In Jesus, in all these cases, and, and some of these, you know, there's at least six or seven times in Scripture where Jesus says, if you ask anything in my name, I'll do it. 
We're asking in his name. We have power turning in his name. We're not asking him. We are speaking to the problem. I hope you're hearing this. You need to speak to your problem, to your mountain, whatever the obstacle is, whatever's in the way, whatever's the tree, the mulberry bush is twisted around your problem, the roots. <coughs> There's some things you and I have in our lives that need to be removed. Some obstacles. We're not speaking to God about our problems. We're speaking to our problems about our God. Cancer be gone. Body be recovered. And Isaiah 45 says, Thus says the Lord, the Holy One of Israel, his maker, ask me of things to come concerning my sons and concerning the work of my hands. You command me. Jesus said that we can command concerning the work of his hands. I don't have time as well, Beck, and I'm basically out of time, but I'm going to keep going for a little while. Matthew 10 says that we're supposed to go heal the sick. We're supposed to cleanse the lepers. We're supposed to raise the dead and cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. We have to see, we have to spread the faith. We are to use it, we are to give it, we are to sell it. He didn't say, he didn't say go pray for the sick. He said go heal the sick. He said go cleanse them. Go raise them. Go cast them out. He echoed this in Luke 9. He sent them to preach, sowing seeds, gathering seeds of the Word of God, the kingdom of God, and heal the sick. Jesus told us to go heal the sick. He didn't say go pray for the sick. He said go heal the sick. Go do it. Go do the work that I've done. There's a huge difference between you talking to God about your problems and you talking to your problem about your God. Through the blood of Jesus, through Christ who lives in you, you have authority to proclaim the kingdom of God and tell that sickness what to do. It's not you. You died. Christ is living in you. Because some of you say, Dave, that's it. I can't heal the sick. Yes, you can. If you're in Christ and Christ is in you, you died in Christ Jesus. It's no longer you who live, but it's Christ who lives in you. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. It's not you. We know no man that's the flesh, it says in 2 Corinthians 5, 16. You are a child of God. You've been born again of the incorruptible seed of God's word, and Christ is in you. You died. You've been crucified with Christ. You've been buried with him in baptism. It's no longer you who live, but it's Christ who lives in you. And the life that you live, you live by the faith of God, who loved you and gave himself for you. Okay? You are redeemed. And let the redeemed of the Lord say so. And you, by the Spirit of God who lives in you, heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out devils, cleanse the lepers. Speak to you, man. Command the problems to be cast in the sea. Just got a little bit more. Hopefully I can finish this up. In Genesis 1, 26, 27, I'm going to go this a little back. I'll probably come back hopefully next week and, and fill, in, fill in some of the ways. God said, let us create man in our image, in our likeness. We were created 
in the image of God. Are you following me? Okay. And every seed produces according to its kind. Well, what kind are we? God's. We're creating him. Well, we lost after the fall, okay? Yes. And we're new creations in Christ Jesus. We're born again, not a corruptible seed, but a corruptible seed by the word of God. We've been restored back into right relationship with God. God created us in his image and his likeness, and we are produced according to his kind. Whose seed is in itself? In you is the word of God. In you is Jesus. And we are to scatter that seed. We need to exercise our faith. See, seeds of faith are released when we speak words. How beautiful upon the mouths of him who, uh, who preach good news, who proclaim peace, who proclaim salvation and declare to, to Zion, your God reigns. See, three times in Mark eleven twenty three, faith is released by speaking. At the same point in time, we're talking about everything in the seed. Doubt is also released by the words that we say. Some of you, and I see it on Facebook all the time, you are releasing seeds of doubt like there's no tomorrow. Some of you are so negative. Okay? But we are to speak things. Well, surely I say to you, whoever says to the mountain, be removed. And does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things that he says will be done. He will have whatever he says. This can't be true if you're not speaking. Three times in one verse, he says we need to say something. It's how it's released. It's the same in Luke, what we say, it will obey what you say. It can't obey something if you don't say anything. Again, we have to speak, say something, and then we'll be moved. Nothing will be impossible for you. A lot of you say there's nothing impossible for God, and that's true, but God told you to do it. God spoke, and he told you to obey him. And then you're coming back and asking God to do something he told you to do. And you wonder why there's silence. If I told you to do something, and then you come back around and you ask me to do what I told you to do, I'm going to be pretty quiet towards you too. Okay? We need to obey God by doing what he told us to do, and he told us to go heal the sick, cast out devils, cleanse the lepers, and raise the dead. I got those a little out of order, but you got my point. God told us to begin saying something. Stop coming to God to move your mountain. He told you to move it. Just like he told the disciples, you feed the multitudes. You do it. Stop acting like Jesus didn't redeem you. Okay? And then just let that set in for a little bit. Believe the power of the word. Believe the power of the seed. <coughs> because this whole, the power of the word, the power of the seed, is a law. It's a spiritual law. 
And it works for everybody, everywhere, every time. It's a spiritual law. If you, well, surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast to sea, and does not doubt, we can't have that. We have to have pure faith. And while we have pure faith, and we believe those things that we say, we're not. Why are we believing the things that we say? I thought we're supposed to believe the things that he said. Yes. And he said that we're supposed to say things. So by us believing what we said, we're actually believing what he said. Did you catch that? He said to do this. He said to say so, speak to our mouths. He told us to believe what we say. <coughs> and by us believing what we say, we're believing what he said. We're believing both. Because he told us to say it. We'll be done. He will have whatever he says. God gave us power of eternity. And he told us to say something. If we don't believe what we said, we not only not believe what we said, we don't believe what he said. Are you following me? By believing what we say when he told us to say something, we're believing what he said too. You can't have it any other way. I'm hoping you get this. If we receive this message and speak according to the word of God, words of faith, we will have results. But if we refuse to say, do and say what he told us to do, and we speak doubt and negative things, and we believe the negative things and the doubt that we said, we're going to have those results set too. Remember, everything is a seed. So if we believe the things that we say, We'll have the things that we say. If we say things, speak things of faith, and we believe the things that we say, we'll have them. But if we speak things of doubt and negative, and we believe those things, we'll have those. Everything's the same. What do you believe? Do you believe the things you're saying? Do you? I mean, many of you, you believe the worry that you worry. And you wonder why you receive what you worry about. Because you've been believing it. Worry works in everything to seed. You've been feeding. You've been nurturing. You've been... You've been <coughs> I mean, you've been fertilizing that worry. You've been, you've been watering that worry like there's no tomorrow. Job said, the things that I worried about, I received. Now paraphrase. Everything I, I'm worried about. Everything, the thing that I fear most happened to me. See, but I say to you that for every idle word man say, speak, they won't give an account. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. In one sense, there, there is no idle word. We might joke with each other, and I don't work, and I, I, I have to work on this one too because I joke with my wife a lot. But there's no idle words. You and I might be deceived and thinking that there's idle words, but God says, Be deceived, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, therefore he will reap. Everything that you speak, you will give an account for. There's no idle words. You might think there's idle words, but God doesn't. He's a judge. 
again, Proverbs says, death and life are the power of the tongue, and those who love will eat its fruit. Whether that's death or whether that's life. You choose. You choose which one you're going to speak, death or life. Because you are snared by the words of your mouth, and you're taken by the words of your mouth. What you say are powerful. Whether you believe that or not, they're seeds. And God is the one who gave the authority over seeds. Okay? So what's standing in your way? I'm going to close with this. When I say this, there's two verses I'm going to close with. Mark 1.42 says, As soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. I know I'm just pulling out some scriptures here. But Jesus, as soon as he had spoken, Jesus speaking, immediately the leprosy left him. Jesus spoke it. He didn't just think it. Again, I'm going to look at a lot of scriptures here. Then God said, Let there be light, and there was, there was light. God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters. God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together to one place, and it was so. God said, let the earth bring forth grass and herbs and yield, and it was so. God said, let there be lights in the firmament, and it was so. God said, let the waters abound with abundance of living creatures and birds of the fly above the earth, the face of the and heavens, and it was so. God blessed and saying, be fruitful, multiply, fill the waters, waters in the sea, and let the birds multiply in the earth. God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures according to his kind, and cattle creeping, and the beasts of the earth, and according to his kind, and it was so. We go to creation, God said, and it was so. God said, and it was so. And we are created in his image, in his likeness. We are supposed to speak. Are we saying we're the creator? No. But we are saying that we're we every seed according to his kind. We're, we're of his kind. We're born of God. We're children of God. We're born in the image and likeness of God. And the things that we speak, they will be so. This is powerful. Whether it be death or life, there's power in the tongue. Because when we confess with our mouth, and we believe in our heart that he was raised, you will be saved. This is how we became born again. By speaking something. We believed something and we spoke something. And it was so. This is how we became born again. We have the same spirit of faith and therefore we speak. Okay. Jesus said of the centurion, and I'm closing. Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof. Only speak a word, and my servant will be healed. And Jesus marveled at faith from a Gentile. In Matthew 10, 8, 10, says, he marveled at this great faith. It wasn't great because it was more. It was great because it was pure. He believed that God only had to say the word, and it be so. We shall whatever we shall have, whatever we say, whatever we have. If you say with his mouth and you don't doubt your heart, 
of belief that those things that you say, he will, he will be done. He will have whatever it says. What are you believing? What are you speaking? Because everything's a secret. Whether it's doubt, whether it's negative, or whether we are speaking the things God wants to speak. You and I, we need to start moving some mountains. We need to start speaking some things. Some things have been in your fields too long. Some mountains have been in your path too long. It is time for them to go. Amen and amen. God bless you. Have a great week. Start speaking some things this week. And come back next week with some mountains being removed. Amen.